Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. This week, we had our Baby Blessing Sunday at church, and the recording got started a little bit late. So if you're wondering what exactly I'm talking about, I'm talking about the reasons for why baby blessings are important. Hope you enjoy. The other thing that I thought a lot about is my dad was a youth minister for, I think, 10 or 12 years before he did an associate minister, you know, all the different titles we give different people. And his whole theology of what youth ministry was about came from that Deuteronomy 6 passage that I read earlier. The hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it says, these commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk, walk along the road. Every phrase is going from in the home outwards. Talk about them with your kids. Talk about them when you're sitting. Talk about when you're walking. As, and it kind of goes outwards. You can see the movement from sitting to moving out. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And, uh, you know, there are people, there are Jewish people that actually do wear, uh, they have a scroll of the law that they tie on their forehead because of this passage. Probably not what they intended, in my opinion. Um, but we do this. How many of you have something in your home where it says, God bless this home? Or, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is it. You are writing it on the door frames of your house. You're keeping God's promises and God's love at the forefront of your minds. But for my dad, the thing he always believed is, our first mission as a church is to, our first mission is to our children. That does not mean it's not important to reach the world. That does not mean that it's any less important to reach others and our neighbors. No. But if you're not teaching the people in your family about Jesus, that, that's where it all starts. Remember when I did that elder deacon series and I talked about why is it so important in the New Testament that the people that are, are elders and deacons have their, about their family life? It's because anybody knows that your family is where you see the worst of each other. Your family is where you see all the conflict and the difficulties. That's where the rubber meets the road more than anywhere else. You can, you know, when I was a junior high kid, I could go to school, get fresh air with my friend. I'd come home and I'd completely forget about it by the next day. And we're good. But with family, you're right there with each other all the time. And this is part of what I think is so important for us is part of blessing our children, part of being a church that tries to make sure we're raising the next generation is because that is our first mission field. Which brings me kind of to the next point. Why is this important? A church that doesn't emphasize children and teens is a church that doesn't really have a future. And I don't just mean that symbolically. <laughs> That's literal, you know? There's lots of churches all over the country, all over the world that don't really have a future because they don't really have anyone young in them. And I'm not saying that Wait, did we do this today to get... No, it's just a reality. The reality is, is that part of what we're trying to do here is we need to realize that if the reason why we do what we do is because this is what we've always done, that's a great thing as long as you know why you're doing it. I want us to always do communion because I believe that's what we're called to do. I choose every Sunday that we should do communion this Sunday, not just because we've always done it. But there is a, a part of me that really thinks it's important that when we're reflecting on stuff as a church, the question that needs to be always one of the things at the front of our mind, obviously, does this glorify God? Does this bring Christ honor? 
Those are the top ones. Is this in God's name, Christ's name? Those are the top ones. But really shortly after that should be, is this going to help our children have a faith in Jesus someday? That should be way up there. And I believe that that's something that I think is important about having things like a baby blessing. Another thing, which is I think the most important thing, uh, obviously that Jesus did it is important, that God calls us to do it is important, but this is the most important thing to me. I believe that we want to be a church that proclaims goodness over our children and lets that be the foundation of their life. I preached a sermon on blessing a long time ago and I'm kind of going to steal some stuff from that. But we all, me more than others, desire affirmation in our lives. Words of affirmation are a big deal to me. Some of you could go a long time without someone saying, you know, you do, you do a good job and you'd be fine. I wouldn't. I, I like to be affirmed. And I believe all of us like to be affirmed in our own way. But feeling blessed is the realization that you are affirmed before you've done anything to deserve being affirmed. That's what blessing is. Before you've earned it, before you've worked hard enough, before you've accomplished anything, God already comes and tells you, I love you enough. I love you more than enough before you've ever done anything. Jesus, whenever he starts his ministry, is baptized and God says, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Has he gone to the cross yet? No. Has he healed anybody yet? No. Has he accomplished anything great yet? Sure, he turned some water into wine. You know, but no, he hasn't done anything. And yet God already says, this is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. A blessing is a foundation. And people who grow up in their life without a blessing will struggle to build a healthy house on an unhealthy foundation, if that makes sense. God blesses us from before we were born and every day of our lives. That does not mean that our life will not have struggles. It means that we have a God who says to us, Son, daughter, whatever will happen to you in your life, whether you have success or not, become important or not, whether you're healthy or not, always remember how much I love you. That is what it means that God blesses us. And in our darkest moments in our lives, we will revert back to that inner voice that tells us we are blessed or we will revert back to a different voice that tells us something else. The feeling of being blessed is not something that I think many people generally feel about themselves. Many people, when they go through hard moments in their life, probably feel like their life is more cursed than blessed. We have, in my opinion, and I, I, I love this idea, but all of us have an inner voice and an inner narrative. So I want you to picture if you were the kid growing up who felt like everybody else was friends with somebody, but you were always the outsider, that you didn't have those friends. Every time something happened to you, your voice in your head said, well, that makes sense because, you know, I'm the outsider. I'm the one that nobody includes. And then something happens later in your life where something doesn't work out and you go, well, I mean, that's just fitting. That's me. Some people had an abusive father in their family. And their whole life, the inner voice in their head, when they drop their Diet Coke on the ground, their inner voice in their head is, Ugh, I'm just a screw-up. This is, I just fail at everything. Man, why, why can't I ever do anything right? That's the voice that they hear. And it's because they heard it from their foundation, from an abusive situation. That's the voice that they hear. We today decided whether Ava, whether... Harper, whether Marshall will ever know it, we as a church decided today that the first voice that they're going to hear is, you are loved by God. And that the hope is, is that we as a congregation and a community affirm that voice to them over and over so that when they're in their darkest moments, instead of going, well, this is it. I mean, I'm just cursed. The voice that comes back into their head is, you know what, though? I'm loved. I'm taken care of. I'm held on to. As Butch said, 
Christ's love will never, nothing can separate me from Christ's love. And we want that voice to be the voice that they hear. I think about, I think about how, uh, how many people would have a, a different outlook on life, not because of anything in their life changing, if their voice in their inner narrative was different. Does that make sense? Nothing would change between two people. But if the voice inside them tells them, you are blessed, I love you, and the voice inside them tells them, you're a waste of space, it completely changes their life. And so this morning, the blessing that we give to each other are expressions of that blessing that rests on us from all eternity. The blessing that we have received from God, we're not, I'm not up here as a holy saint making these children holy. No, I'm a person who's a failure. I'm a person who makes mistakes, but I'm a person who knows from childhood that I'm loved. And I was trying, and we were trying to pass that on to these children. And something I have, I'm going to read a quote in a second, but I want you to think about this before I read this quote. Uh, on Friday, we drove to Katy for a Friendsgiving. It's like Thanksgiving. Uh, for a Friendsgiving, because we had some friends from Katy who wanted us to come back. So we drove back, and you know what they talked about like the whole time? Is Landry Joe's accent. <laughs> the whole time they were like, man, she has got an accent. And Catherine and I are both like, well, we don't necessarily have an accent. And I told her, I said, what do you, and I, I said to Catherine, I said, you know what I think it is? The voices she hears most in her week besides Catherine and I's are Josie in her little class, are Linda Bates, are Donna, are Melissa, are the teachers in her classes. So my daughter has a country accent because she's hearing the voices of people who are telling her that she's loved. She's hearing the voices of people raising her in her faith. This thing that we do, it's not we just come in here and we do church and we leave. That's not what this is about. This thing we do here shapes people's lives, even to the point of them saying, could I please have some mashed potatoes or whatever, you know? <laughs> whatever her accent sounds like, I can't even do it. But we shape people's lives in here. And the reason this happens is because of the fact that Whatever blessing that you or anyone else, whatever blessing Vicki pours out on my children is because of all the times that she's been told she's blessed. No one can give up a blessing that they haven't received from someone else. So here's this quote from Henry Nouwen that I think is pretty important. To give someone a blessing is the most significant affirmation we can offer. It is more than a word of praise or appreciation. Those are good things, but that's not what this is. It is more than pointing out someone's talents or good deeds. That's a good thing. Kendall, you're really good at basketball. That's a good thing. We should tell people what they're talented at. But it's more than that. It is more than putting someone in the light. To give a blessing is to affirm and to say yes to the person's belovedness. And more than that, to give a blessing creates the reality of which it speaks. I'm going to read that last part. To give a blessing creates the reality of which it speaks. To point someone towards, when you say to someone, I think you're smart, and they don't believe that about themselves, you start to create a situation in which they start to think, I, I actually could be smart, maybe. But if you tell someone they're dumb their whole life, it's very hard for them to ever think they could be. But whenever we start to affirm and tell them, you are loved by God, people will actually start to believe it. So I have one last thing, and then we're going to, I'm going to offer to anyone, if you'd like to uh, pray, or if you'd like to talk more about having a relationship with Jesus, we're going to have a chance after this. But when I was in college, I was a part of a, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but I'll call it a covenant group of college students. And uh, many people called us the monks at ACU. 
Uh, we did some stuff that was kind of odd. Um, had some weird prayers that we would do, but not weird, weird to me growing up here, but not weird to like centuries of Christianity. Um, but I remember we would do this thing where a part of being in the group is you had to have the Sermon on the Mount memorized. Not like a test to get in, but you had to keep up with it. And we would do things where we would like uh, come together. And every week for all four years of college, all we talked about was the Sermon on the Mount. Two chap- three chapters of Matthew, five, six, and seven. And what we would do is on one day, we'd talk about a section, and then for two weeks, you had a challenge with that section that you had to live out that week. And I remember one week, our part of our Sermon on the Mount was, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything other than that comes from the evil one. And the whole point was, be just, don't be someone that has to swear. You know, it says, do not swear on your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Do not swear by... Uh, the earth, for it is God's throne, all these things. Just make, when you say you're going to do something, do it. And when you say no, have it be no. And so the challenge for the, uh, the two weeks was every time you committed to something, you had to write it down and you had to do it. And I remember that Sunday going to church at Southern Hills. Uh, and I remember sitting down and it was a baby blessing. And I remember the guy said, you know, church, I want you to commit to something. He said, I want you to commit to, and he was reading off kind of like what you heard Butch read, and one of the things that said is that you will pray for this children, these children daily. And I remember being like, well, I don't know these kids at all. You know, I'm a college kid, barely new at this church. I don't know anybody. And I thought, well, let my yes be yes and my no be no. So I wrote down those kids' names, and for those two weeks, every morning, I prayed for those children. Every morning. Because I said I was going to do that. And it's a I just remember it kind of being funny, like, oh, look at the timing of this, you know, uh, that I'm not just, just like, gonna, and then this is my challenge to you. Don't just be, even though most of you I know already aren't, but don't just be someone who came here this Sunday, stood up and said some promises, and then you leave. Don't let that be you. Be someone, be a parent, be a church, where you stood up and you made a commitment and a promise that part of being a part of this church means you're going to help these children grow up. And part of that covenant will echo into other things. It'll mean maybe you help whenever one of these kids needs to go on a mission trip. And that'll be a part of this covenant. It'll mean when the day comes that one of these kids is doing, getting married and you're going to help with their, you know, Terry Wells is going to call you and ask if you can help, you know, get something together for the, the wedding uh, rehearsal, not rehearsal, what's the thing called? Wedding shower. The wedding shower. Um, you know, that's a part of this commitment. And so um, if any of you have anything that you'd like to pray about, Anything that any of you would like to talk to us about what it means to become a part of uh, following Christ with your lives, I'd encourage you to, to talk with one of us or talk with one of the elders at the doors while we stand and sing this song.